everything. Your suffering is almost at an end. Dear Billy, I don't know if you can even hear this. Ever since you left, everything's been a total disaster. For a while, we tried to be happy. Normal. I know that's impossible. Far from Hawkins. Because I thought you'd be safe. A war is coming. I'm afraid your friends at Hawkins are very much in the eye of the storm. I don't have my powers to say this other than just to say it. Without you, we can't win this war. See you on the other side. On the other side. Convinced I was put here for some other reason. Maybe I could still help. Even if it's the last thing I do. People say Hawkins is cursed. They're not way off. Ladies and gentlemen, Lee Hickman. I'd like to thank my dear friend, Matt McGill, for giving me this opportunity. Hi, Mockingbird. I don't, I'm not really ready to start yet because I was listening to that trailer and it reminded me of what the great theologian's journey wrote. Um, Someday love will find you, break those chains that bind you, one night we'll remind you how we touched and went our separate ways. True love won't desert you. You know, I still love you. Though we touched and went our separate ways. Where have I heard that story before? 
I don't, I, I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, Stranger Things or the Gospel. I mean, surely not. It's just the trailer. It's okay. It's a, don't, I'm, I'm getting distracted. So, uh, my name is Lee. Uh, some things you need to know about me. Uh, I am an identical twin sister, seven minutes older than my beautiful sister, Lauren. Uh, I'm an English professor at Dallas Baptist University. They actually pay me to talk about Jesus and stories. It's so, so, so cool. Um, I'm a member of the Hellfire Club. I mean, <laughs> gosh. Amy I, Amy, I knew I was gonna mess this up. Like, obviously, I, y'all, I'm a Christian. Like, I'm not a member of the Hellfire Club, because y'all know what the Hellfire Club means. It's a satanic cult, or accused of being a, a satanic cult in the context of Stranger Things. I mean, that's a D&D for, uh, club for people that play D&D. I don't, I'm not part of the Hell, Hell uh, Fire Club. I'm a part of the church. Uh, in fact, that beautiful cathedral right down the street, right by Sola, Living Acts Church, that's, that's where I go to church. And I'm a member of the Hellfire Club. God, I don't know why, but like, I, they, for some reason, every time I think about my church, I'm thinking about the Hellfire Club, and that's just weird, like, reaping grace, I need some, you know? Like, I don't know why these things, these ideas are coming together. Maybe there's some scriptural reason for that? I don't know, let me see. Let me consult the Bible real quick. Um, Jude 1.23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Hmm, that makes me feel slightly better about my mistake. Let's see, um, Daniel 3, 15 uh, and 25, Radshak and Benny are being... uh, are, going, are being accused by Nebuchadnezzar because, see, Nebuchadnezzar is a big dude and he has constructed a golden image uh, and everybody in Babylon is supposed to bow down and, and worship this image. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Well, spoiler, they don't dance to his music and they don't bow down. And so they're they're thrown into the fire, right? And it's not looking good, right? Talk about burnt pizza. But Nebuchadnezzar said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. See, the church really is the hellfire club. There, there's an image that we're supposed to worship. There's a, there's a demonic construct of, of identity that we're supposed to, when we hear that devil's music, we're supposed to bow down and, and worship the image. But Christians don't dance to that tune and, and we're thrown into hellfire for it. And the reason the hellfire doesn't consume us as it would, as it wants to, is that someone who looks like the son of God is standing with us in the fire. So how can I rescue people from the fire? Like Jude 123 says I should do. It's because I've been rescued like that 
I'm a member of the Hellfire Club. I suggest you join. <laughs> now, admittedly, y'all, that was a little heavy, right? I mean, I'm supposed to, like, I mean, Matt, I mean, honestly, I should, I should do something light, something bright, something, use, use humor to kind of like break the ice, because I mean, we're already talking about hellfire in here, it's, it's heavy. So uh, here, I'll, I'll uh, break the ice with some, some humor. Um, <clears throat> anybody here feel cursed? <laughs> do you? Have, have you ever felt cursed? Uh, I, I have. In fact, cursing has a lot to do with Stranger Things. Vecna, the bad guy, spoiler alert, uh, kills people based upon the worst thing that they've done or the worst thing that's been done to them. That's his uh, mode of operation. In fact, he almost, in a nihilistic way, kind of sees his bad guyery as a, um, that's a word now, um, he sees his mission is almost a salvific, almost a, sa a saving. He says, it is time for your suffering to end. Here, let me help you because you really are guilty of that thing, Chrissy. Chrissy, do you know her, her curse? You might not have picked up on it. I had, had to watch it a few times. I think she has an eating disorder. Anytime she hears Vecna's voice, he's talking about her waistline and her weight, and it's the voice of her mother. I'll, I'll just loosen the dress in the back and it'll fit right this time, Chrissy. And then Fred, another victim in Stranger Things 4, we don't know a lot, but we can assume that he abandoned his, his friend to die after a car accident, which, you know. And Max, TBD on her. Uh, Max feels this profound guilt because she really hated her brother, Billy, and secretly, deep down, she wanted him to die, and he did. See, Vecna, Vecna is a, a liar. He's kind of a, follow, uh, a father of lies. And I told you I was cursed, too. So, um, what's that look like? I mean, I just can't, I mean, could you, could you imagine somebody who knows the word of God like you do, Lee? Like, um, why are you going to that porn site again? Why do you do that? You do know those are image bearers, right? And you're using them selfishly as your tools? You're degrading the image of God? I mean, how could you do that? Didn't you hear what that student wrote on a final exam? You'd make life living hell for any man who would want to marry you. I think you're probably a lesbian. Why did you get blackout drunk again just because you can't deal with the pain of the loneliness at night? You just want to go to sleep, but you, you miss 
somebody with you because your sister slept in the same room with you for 23 years and then when she's, she gets married to this awesome guy, you're alone at night and it's so hard to adjust to that. And then the guy that told me that he loved me told me he didn't love me. And then just recently, I, I just lost my best friend. He's walked away. All this is true. See, when we talk about Satan as the father of lies, I think we kind of think that by lying, he's just making crap up. (laughs) You know? Like everything, you know? Of course, Santa Claus is real, okay? You know, like, you know? We we think, sorry if I blew that for anybody. uh, sorry. Um, but we think, we think that, the, that being a liar, he's just making crap up. The thing about Satan being a liar, though, is that he often tells the truth. He just tells part of the truth. He tells the first part of the gospel. He's real familiar with it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's an expert. And the heart is desperately sick. Surely I was brought forth in iniquity. I'm more broken and more distorted by sin than even I know. And so are you. And the worst thing about me is true. But that's not the whole story. So how can I tell you explicitly to a crowd, a crowd of people who don't know me very well? Some of you do. Hi, Hannah. <laughs> she knows it's true, too. Uh, <laughs> How can I be so honest about porn addiction and blackout drinking and, um, and being rejected and um, all that? Well, it's because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I can take this stuff into the light because First John says that, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So how does this relate? Just stranger things. Well, it has everything to do with stranger things. You might remember in the very first episode of season four, uh, L, 11, spoiler alert, she's a Christ figure. Her name is L. Okay? Mike changed her name from 11, a number, to L, short for Elohim, El Shaddai. She is a Christ figure, an imperfect Christ figure, but a Christ figure nonetheless. Hey, Angela, bam! Not a Christ figure there. <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. Uh, At the beginning of Stranger Things 4, um, Eleven is constructing a visual aid, a diorama of her house that she lived in with Hop, okay, her her adopted dad. And she gets up, and it's Mrs. Gracie's 
ironic name, Mrs. Gracie's history class. And the assignment, boys and girls of all ages, is uh, to do a, do a uh, presentation on your hero from history. Okay. It's a project <laughs> about the hero of history. Any ideas who that might be? I have, I have one. I have one idea. One. Not Hamilton. One. <laughs> okay? And it's her father. So, so he, she constructs her father's house, y'all. She constructs her father's house. She constructs a kind of church. And she's at Miss Gracie's class, and she does the presentation. It doesn't go well. She gets bullied mercilessly for it, and then Angela trips her, and one of Angela's punk friends just smashes the house, smashes the visual aid, destroys it, kapooey, it's gone. But thankfully, the visual aid is not destroyed, because Stranger Things 4 is a visual aid of how the church is designed to function when all of its parts are working together properly. The show is a visual aid. <laughs> I really like that. Okay. Now, to break curses, one has to know how to do that. How, do you, how can you have confidence to bring things into the light like what I just shared? How could Chrissy, I don't like this Chrissy, get redeemed? Well, you have to have a redemptive memory. There's a point in the show, Eddie, who's another Christ figure, and awesome. Eddie uh, tells, or, or is trying to tell Dustin and his friends what happened. He has incredible guilt because he, see, ran away from Chrissy in her moment of need. He didn't know what to do, and she was rising up in the air, and he's like, forget this, and he's out. And he watches her die, and he says, he says, he says if I told you what happened, you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. And Max says, try us. And then, and then as the show continues, this is fantastic. Robin, Robin of all people, okay? She goes, listen, Eddie, I know everything Dustin's saying sounds totally delusional, but we've actually been through this kind of thing before. I mean, they have a few times, and I have once. Mine was more human flesh-based, and theirs was more smoke-related. But the bottom line is, I really think we've got this. <laughs> Y'all remember how much of, a, of, a, of a, like, a relationship with Elle Robin has? In season three, when Elle sh finally shows up and flips a car, Robin, who's like way out of, out of the line, goes, who's that? <laughs> Who is that? And, and, and Steve, God bless him, is like, hey, she's got superpowers, catch up. 
right? She barely knows Elf. So that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. She doesn't even, this is not like a relationship that Mike has with her or Hop has with her. Robin barely knows Elf. She's seen, she, we know, her, know that she's had like one, one supernatural moment with Elf. And here she is, the least experienced with Elf, with God, and she's telling Eddie in his dark night of the soul, hey, we've actually been through this before and we kicked its ass. I mean, they have, they've done it twice. I've, I've only done it once. But the point is, I think we've got this. They overcame him in Revelation. They talk about the dragon, scary, ooh, Revelation. They overcame him, the dragon, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Sometimes when people are feeling cursed, you need to tell them, hey, hey buddy, look at me. We've actually been through this before. I've been, been, been through this before. You need to know that. And, and Bryce over there, he's, he's been through it. And Kyle's been through it. And Jenny, you've been through it. And Derek's been through it. And Andrew, you've been through it. See, we've got this collective memory of everything he's brought us through. And we've got to tell people that feel cursed by the worst thing that they've ever done or the worst thing that's been done to them that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because he's brought us through and he'll bring us through again. We are reaping grace and we gotta reap it for others. We've gotta tell people what we've been through and Eddie, God bless him, when Robin says that, when Robin says that, Eddie starts going, okay, okay, yeah, okay, what do we do? And he says from that point on, no more retreating for Eddie the Banished. <laughs> and he doesn't. In fact, well, y'all want to know how Eddie's a Christ figure, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Eddie's a Christ figure. Uh, he's the head of the uh, Hellfire Club, so he's like a pastor, you know? Uh, and, uh, but he's unlikely, I mean, he's, a, he's been trying to graduate, you know, he's army crawling to that D. Uh, in, in 1986 is gonna be his year, but he tells, in the first episode, he, he grabs Dustin and he grabs Mike and he says, when I found you, you were sitting right over there at that lunch table like two little lost sheep, and I found you. You're the future of Hellfire, boys. Now you need to go and get your bow peeps on and go out and find other little lost sheep just like you. It's a throwaway line, but it's not. Jesus is the good shepherd who found, found us, put us on his shoulders, and now is telling us, go get your bow peeps on. Go bring more people into the Hellfire Club. There's cheese cubes in the back. <laughs> and 
And Eddie, of course, is, an, is also a Christ figure because when they go into the upside down to begin rescuing people, he's the only character in the whole show that actually gets up on Skull Rock. It's a very brief scene. You can miss it if you blink, but he got up on Skull Rock. He's, he's, and by the way, if that's not foreshadowing that you're going to bite it, I don't know what else, what else is. Okay. <laughs> He will bruise your, your heel, and he will crush your skull. It's the first messianic prophecy. In weakness, when the nail pierced Christ's foot, and it went all the way through, it was a spike that pinned his feet to Golgotha, the place of the skull. Jesus, in that moment, broke the authority of sin and death. He crushed the authority of Satan. And Eddie is going to do just that. And then, of course, when he bites it, he cuts off his exit point. There was a way out of the upside down, and he just slashes it. It falls. He cuts off his access to rescue. And Dustin jumps into the upside down to get to Eddie. He follows Eddie sacrificially, and because Dustin does that, he injures himself. He probably breaks his leg. I don't know what happened, but the important thing to know about what happened to Dustin is that he's walking with a limp for the rest of the show. I kind of like, oh, I don't know who else walks with a limp. Um, Jacob? <laughs> who wrestled with God and, got, and because he followed God, God changed the way he walked and Dustin is given by Eddie, the church. He says, you've got to take care of them. Take care of my sheep. And Dustin says, I love you, man. And he walks differently from that point on. He's an injured pastor, which are the best kind. I'll follow an injured minister of the gospel anywhere. And by the way, you might not have seen me physically limp, but some of you have. And you've known me in my weakness. And you've told me what story I'm living in. You've reminded me, you've pulled me out of hellfire and reminded me of who stood with me in it. See, Eddie's a Christ figure, but so is L. L has to confront Vecna, who I won't try to, I'm trying not to tell you who Vecna actually is in case you haven't seen it, <laughs> okay? It's a, there's a whole thing about Vecna, okay? <laughs> Uh, but Vecna is amazing. I love Vecna so much, I, could, I just could kiss him. He's amazing. Uh, I, sorry, that's weird. Uh, and what's funny about it, about it is that like, a lot of people will watch the first episode of Stranger Things 4, and I've heard this again and again, Andrew. Um, it's too satanic, you know? I mean, I just got to the end, and Chrissy is being torn apart. Her body is being wrenched and broken into a human swastika. Her 
eyes are pulled into her skull and she's broken. Her jaw is broken, her arms and legs are broken and she's hanging, hanging there, literally the, the trophy of her own sin because of Vecna's curse. He's conformed her. Eddie says early on in the first episode, forced conformity. It's what's killing the kids. He doesn't know how right he is. It's actually a thesis statement for the bad guy. Because literally, forced conformity is what's killing the kids. And now always, Stranger Things always occurs on a uh, holiday, which made me very concerned because it was spring break. And I'm like, Decker Brothers, you didn't set it on a holiday. Well, people are actually getting broken apart on spring break. It's a little on the nose, but it's right there. Right? So Chrissy's being torn apart, and people say, it's too satanic. I can't watch the show. I'm, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to try to be fair about this. I'm not asking you to go against your conscience. Some of you should not watch horror films. It's okay. I like them. Okay? But you do realize that when someone says it's satanic, that they're specifically talking, to be satanic, am I about to fall on my face? <laughs> we'll see, it, the, yeah. When they say it's satanic, what they're saying is that it fits into the groove of what is ultimately evil. And if it fits into the groove of what's ultimately evil, what the Bible specifically concludes is satanic, then it, the story becomes a vehicle to actually be able to talk about ultimate truth and ultimate reality. Yes, it's satanic. Hallelujah, it's satanic. Yes. Now we can talk about Jesus. We can talk about Jesus because it's satanic. And here, here, I'll show you what satanic is. Because Vecna is confronting hell in the rainbow room in episode seven. And it's kind of a showdown of worldviews. It's like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Da -da -da, da -da -da. <laughs> right? Thank you for that. <laughs> And here is Elle. And oh, by the way, it's in the rainbow room. <laughs> okay, y'all do know that's our symbol, right? Like God gave us that symbol. That's our thing, right? When you see the rainbow in the sky, it'll be a sign between me and you that I will never again flood the earth, destroying the earth with a flood. I'll never do that again. And, and the word in the Bible is archer bow. Where a, where a bow is bent tells you the direction that the arrow is going to fly. So the rainbow is God's full wrath pointed not at us, but at him. It's the gospel in the sky. And the next time God releases his wrath, it doesn't hit us because Jesus is our ark. It's almost, it's almost like he wrote the book. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I threw away this thing about Eddie. Eddie's first line with Chrissy, he's telling her about his band, The Corroded Coffin. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie says, 
we, we attract, a tr uh, we, we actually play, I actually play guitar in a band, uh, and we attract about five drunks. Uh, and he says, he goes, it's not the garden, but you know, I've got to start somewhere. Now, what he means is Madison Square Garden, but the irony is that he's talking to Chrissy, and the very first thing he says to her is, well, it's not the garden. He, he's a Christ figure, because he acknowledges, Toto, we're not in the garden anymore. But I've got to start somewhere. So Vecna is confronting Elle in the rainbow room. Y'all thought I forgot. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Reaping grace. He says to Elle, he says, you see, humans are a unique type of pest, multiplying and poisoning our world, all while enforcing a structure of their own, a deeply unnatural structure. Where others saw order, I saw a straitjacket, a cruel, oppressive world dictated by made-up rules, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, each life a faded, lesser copy of the one before. Wake up, work, sleep, reproduce, and die. Everyone is just waiting, waiting it, waiting for it all to be over, all while performing in a silly, terrible play day after day. I could not do that. I could not pretend. I mean, if that's not nihilism, I don't know what is, right? It sounds like Macbeth. It's just such a silly, stupid play. You just wake up, you eat, you sleep, you reproduce, you die. There's nothing. Seconds, minutes, days, decades. Each life, a faded copy of the one before. Oh, wait a second, because I told you this is satanic. Did you hear that for a second? Hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, Vecna just said, I almost, almost did it, Amy, almost did it. Um, <laughs> she's, she's doing this, because she's my sister, you know? Uh, <laughs> Vecna just said every life is a faded, lesser image of the one before it. Oh my gosh, he just talked about the image of God. Because the last, thing, last time I checked, every single one of us, broken and marred by a sin, is in fact a lesser, faded image of the person, the God, we were created in the image of. He's right! Now we can start talking about Jesus. And he says, then he says, I can't, I couldn't live like this. I could not do that. I could not pretend. Which again, Derek seems like a total throwaway line, except that Stranger Things and the church is all about pretend and play. The kids understand how to help Will because they contextualize in season one the understanding of the villain in the context of the game D&D. They play and he gets saved because they know how to play. They pretend. 
You never understand that Christianity asks us to play a lot. Like we pray and we believe that God hears us. In fact, Amy, you'll like this because you gave me this quote. Justin Early, in his book, Habits of the Household, says, play is thus a way to re-enchant a disenchanted world. This is serious business. Think about it. A world without play is a world without magic. And a world without magic is a world without resurrection. And in a world without resurrection, nothing good can come true, which means every fairy tale is a lie. Play, then, is a rebellion against the greatest lie. It is an act of war in allegiance to the greatest truth, that Christ is risen and fairy tales do come true, namely, the one we are living in. I mean, you need to know that! Like, oh, like I went to go see the movie Enchanted when it came out, like way back in the day, y'all. And I went and watched it and I was like, I got in the car, like I'm all amped up. I'm like, ever, ever after, you know, like I am singing the song, I am ready to get married. You know, by the way, I'm still ready to be married. Okay, like, come on, okay? My hair's long, just start climbing up, it's fine. Um, and I get in the car and my friend, uh, he gets in the car with me and she goes, well, that's fantasy. And I went, what? She goes, that, you know, that's not, that's not real. That's, you know, enchanted is just, it's all a fairy tale. And I looked at her and I said, you do know someone's coming for us on a white horse, right? <laughs> y'all, y'all think about the way, but think about your grandest, most hoped for desire to be loved. The greatest story, the love story to end all love stories. So if only somebody's heart just broke for me with the kind of depth of love that, that like, I really desperately want to be loved by because I've been rejected by at least three people that I was in love with and they said no. And three, you know why I'm not saying enchanted is a joke? It's because I'm actually living in it because someone's heart literally, literally did break for me. It was speared through and blood and water flowed. And because his side was open, I, like a second Eve, can come over under the arm of the second and so much better Adam. And I'm in that story. That's the story you're in. See, the kids can play, and Vecna is satanic just because he can't pretend. See, a world without pretend can't imagine redemption. It can't imagine this grace we're talking about. Oh, how scandalous is the love of God. L, the Christ figure, Owens says to her, he says, some, of, some people in, that I work with think you're the virus, but I think you're the cure. It reminded me of that verse that says, to some we are the fragrance of life unto life, and to others we are the fragrance of death. Jesus isn't neutral. He's either gonna smell like steak or smell like maggots. One of those. 
And L, she piggybacks <laughs> out of a pizza dough freezer <laughs> to save Max. The great plan is to kill four people, four teens, who are guilty of sin. And L piggybacks into Max's mind, and she comes and fights for her. Mike, when 11 y'all is literally strung up a la the cross on a door, and she's dying, Mike says something that my sister Lauren doesn't like. It's like, I'm obsessed with Mike and Eleven, okay? It's, I have a, it's a problem, okay? <laughs> I understand. I'm obsessed with it. But Lauren didn't like this line because um, she said it wasn't realistic. She said, um, okay, because Mike says, um, L, you need to know this. I love you. This is amazingly the first time in four seasons he's actually said that lame, okay? Like, we all knew it. Like, okay, you know? Um, he says, L, I, I love you. I feel like my life started the day that I met you in the woods. I've loved you every day since then. I love you on your good days. I love you on your bad days. I love you with your powers. I love you without your powers. And Lauren goes, pause. She goes, he, he, he didn't love her every day. Like, it didn't start in the forest. You know, he grew to love her. Maybe they fell in love with a snowball. And I said, Lauren, you're wrong. <laughs> no, this is not a normal boy-girl relationship. He said his life started the day that he met Elle. When Jesus Christ initiates and shows up, and by the way, Elle was wanting to be found, she came and found them in season one, she came and showed herself to them, and then Mike says, when you found me, that's when my life began. And he tells her when she's dying, he says, Elle, now listen, I believe you can do anything. I believe you can move mountains, L. but right now all I need you to do is fight. It's a faith statement. He's actually confessing to his God that when you found me, my life started to, started. My heart beats because you beat, and I've loved you every day since, because to see God rightly as he is, it's not like I have to talk you into loving him. Look at him as he is. He's so, so beautiful. He's so lovable. To see him is to worship him. Lauren, you're wrong. <laughs> I love my sister. <laughs> How, uh, what time is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. L. L comes back because you know Mike. You don't like Mike. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I love Amy. Um, Mike confesses his faith statement to L, and she comes back. But of course, she's almost too late to save Max. Elle is 
El has been has faced Vecna before, and in facing him, he lifted her up and started to break her apart, which also reminds me of when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And Jesus Christ was broken for us. See, Vecna wants to turn each person into a trophy of their own brokenness, a trophy of their own sin. And on the cross, God made an open spectacle of our sin and shame on the cross, crucifying it in his own body. He conquered our sin. He became the trophy of my sin on the cross. So I don't become a trophy of my sin. I'm his trophy. Oh, I'm a trophy, all right. Definitely. I've been created in his image for good works that he's prepared in advance. I am his workmanship. <laughs> I, I know this is gonna sound really arrogant, maybe, but I'm just, I gotta do this. I'm really beautiful. <laughs> like, I'm really, I'm very beautiful. And, and, uh, and, you know, and it's not arrogant because it's, it's not my beauty. How beautiful am I? Oh, I'm just as beautiful as, as Jesus. Because when God sees me, he doesn't see my porn addiction or the blackout drinking or the rejection or the time I pushed my sister against the garage because I needed to protect my porn habits. I needed to be violent against Lauren. He doesn't see that. He just sees the imputed righteousness of Jesus. And Elle goes in to find Max, but she's almost too late. And Max is dying, and she's being held by Lucas in his arms. And he's saying, Erica, help! Erica, help! And, 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 she, and Max, is saying, Max is saying, I don't want to die. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Lucas, Lucas, I can't see anything. I'm, I, I, it's so painful. Help me, help me, help me. And then she's, then she's dying. She's flatlining in a beautiful beautiful, maybe the best shot in the whole show. Okay, it is the best shot in the whole show. You get a second perspective, and you see the same scene with Lucas holding Max in his arms, except in this shot, Elle's there. And Lucas doesn't even know she's there. He's having the worst moment of his life, holding the love of his life in his arms, and she's dying. And he's alone, except he's not because El is there. You need to know, you need to know, you need to know that when you were in that moment, that moment, that moment, he was there. We reap grace because he was there. And El says, no. You're not going. She messes up Max's death, and she may or may not have raised her from the, from the dead. TBD. <laughs> but we know that she was dead for a minute. She came back. Doctors can't explain it. It's like it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And because of resurrection, the enemy's plan to destroy everything is broken. The fairy tale is real. We're going back to the castle. It's not the garden. It will be the city. 
My favorite line in season one is Mike, again, of course. When he finds out that Will, he's been asked to go to Will's funeral, he doesn't believe Will is dead, though, because Will's in the upside down. He says what the gospel says about all of us, Kristen. He, he says, what? What are we talking about? Are you talking about his funeral? Will's funeral? Screw his funeral. The gospel. Jesus said, screw your funeral. I want that t-shirt, somebody make it. <laughs> the whole show is about resurrection. It's about grace. It's about the church and everyone's faithfulness working together has cosmic ramifications so that when when Hop is being faithful and obedient in Russia, and Nancy is being obedient in Hawkins, and everybody is doing their part to fight evil, the church together works and has your obedience right now affects Christians in Russia and in China and Australia, all over the world, because we're the church. And we kick and kick its ass because we've done it before, because God said, screw your funeral. I'm a member of the Hellfire Club. I'm a member of the church.